Get it, get it. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 7. Shay, we're going to get all excited here. And that's, and that's just okay. That is just okay. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. If we were to do a survey today, a survey in this congregation, a survey for Lyman Duncan Wilford area, survey for the state of South Carolina, even the United States of America, and we ask this question, what do you consider to be the greatest need for our nation and our world? What do you think the answers would be? Well, I've got four possibilities that I think we would hear. One, there'd be those who would say we need peace between Israel and Palestine. That's a really horrific situation over there that could become even more horrific than what it is. There'd be those who would say the extinction of racism, and I'd agree, definitely. Racism has no place in our lives. Others will say we need better living conditions for the poor and the needy. And again, I would agree with that. And I'm sure somebody would say we need some honesty in government. And I'd say a big amen to that one. But, but as important as these are, I don't think that is the most pressing need that we have. It's not the most desperate need that we have. I really think that the greatest need that we have in America and in our world is for redemption. Redemption would take care of a lot of what we are talking about. Now, society, even here in America, we have tried to legislate, legislate people into good moral citizens. We have passed law after law after law about drunkenness and drug use and, and murder and robbery and rape and, and abortion. And, and I mean, you just, you just look at all the laws we have on the book that are supposed to help make people good moral citizens. How much has it really worked? The, you do know the old saying that a crook's going to be a crook no matter what. You can pass all the laws you want to, and, and I'm not opposed to the laws. Now, don't misunderstand me. I, we need the laws so that if they break them, then they can be judged, found guilty, and pay for their crimes. But in the end... None of our laws have made anybody into a good moral citizen. That has failed miserably. Well, churches have tried to soothe the conscience of individuals by means of a watered-down religion and gospel and has led, led to a loss of even more morality in our country. That There have been those in the church that have said, if we want to make an impact, if we want to make an impact on society... We've got to be more loving, more forgiving, more understanding, and more accepting than anything goes. And if we'll do that, we can get the unchurched, we, we can get those out on the fringes, and, 
and we could get them to come and attend our churches and they can become and be a part of, of what we're doing. Well, all of that sounds good on, on paper. Uh, all of it sounds good when we say we can get more to come. But when they come, if they're getting a watered-down gospel, if they're not hearing the truth about sin and salvation, about heaven and hell, about Satan and sin, if they're not getting the truth about this, then what good are we doing them when they do come and join with us? What good are we doing ourselves if we are preaching and teaching and singing a watered-down gospel? Anytime we water the gospel down to make it more likable, we have just gone against everything that the Bible teaches and everything that God wants us to do and be. Redemption is what is needed. More than more laws regulating morality, more than more churches saying, just come join us as you are, and we'll take you as you are. Now, I believe we'll take any visitor, won't we? I, I will no matter who or what. But I expect when they come that they will hear the gospel and have a chance at salvation and a chance at a clean life and a chance to be redeemed and become a child of God. And if we don't do that, we become a part of the problem. And I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a part of the problem. Well, you may be asking, what is Redemption. Since I've already used that word a few times, redemption. Well, in the world at large, here's what redemption means. It means to buy back something pawned or mortgaged. Have any of y'all ever had to take something to the pawn shop to get some money because you didn't have enough money? I, I remember in the early days of our marriage, we had car insurance due. We, we didn't have the money to pay the car insurance. You ever been there? It's due. They want the money. You don't have it. I could only think of one way to get the money. My prized Ithaca Model 37 shotgun. I took to the pawn shop in Monroe, North Carolina and got $85 to pawn it which paid the car insurance. Well, I had an option that I could go back and reclaim that gun, <laughs> but I didn't have $85 to go back and get that gun back. Somebody got a really good gun at a really good price because I could not go and redeem it. I, I didn't have the money for the redemption of that gun still today even though i no longer hunt i miss that gun i mean it, it was one of my prized possessions but being able to drive legally was a prized possession also <laughs> especially with a wife and two kids it, it, it was a matter of survival so that's what redemption in the world is to buy back something that we have owned or mortgaged now what does it mean in the spiritual world world it takes on a much deeper meaning it means the action of saving or being saved from sin error or evil the word redemption is basically a, a and it is a word picture of god buying back 
part of his creation by means of the death of his son Jesus Christ on the cross and the acceptance by mankind of that sacrificial death of his son on the cross. All of mankind belongs to God by means of creation. The world belongs to God by means of creation. The universe belongs to God by means of creation. But for mankind, even though we belong to God by means of creation, mankind strays away from God. And the Bible teaches that mankind is born as sinners into a sinful world and that 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 is born as a sinner into a sinful world needs to be saved from their sins so that they can be right with God. Now for that to happen, a great price had to be paid, a price that we could not pay for ourselves. The great price was the shed blood of God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And when he shed his blood on the cross, he was shedding his blood so that he could what? Redeem mankind that already belonged to his Father, but had strayed away into the world and was living for Satan. Redemption is about being saved. Redemption is about God buying us back from Satan and the world by means of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Redemption. This verse of Scripture has five great truths in it that helps us to understand redemption a little better. The first has to do with the person of redemption. Look in verse number 7. Paul said, in him we have redemption. In who? In Jesus Christ. What do we know about Jesus Christ from Scripture? We know, number one, that he has the ability to do what needs to be done. The Bible teaches that Jesus was the agent of creation. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the one who sustains creation. The Bible teaches that Jesus is seated on the right hand of God the Father that is all-powerful. The Bible teaches that Jesus has the ability to do everything that needs to be done. So this redemption is through a person who is able to redeem. That shotgun that I mentioned, I could have redeemed it, but I didn't have the ability to redeem it. I didn't have the finances to redeem it. I, I could not go back and reclaim what I had pawned that day the person of redemption is one of ability but it's one of affection also Jesus is the epitome of God's love for mankind God so loved the world that he did what he gave his only begotten son now let me ask you a question did Jesus have to come unwillingly against his will Jesus came willingly to lay down his life of sacrifice for people like us. He willingly came to die on a cross. He willingly said, I love these people enough that I will die for them. Now, how many people do you know that you would willingly die for? 
Is there somebody in your family that you would die for? I didn't say somebody you'd kill. Somebody you'd die for. Would you die for your mate? Would you die for your child? I think most of us probably, possibly would if it came down to it. But how many of you would die for that person you really don't like? Or that person that does not really like you? How many many of you would die for those horrible in-laws that maybe you have or had? How many of you would, would die for that coworker that gave you nothing but grief? How many of you would die for that neighbor that you, you see and think, oh my gracious, not that neighbor again? Doubt any of us would. We'd be kind of like, let them get what they deserve. They've not treated me right. They've not been good to me. They've not been kind to me. They've not helped me. Why should I worry about them? I'm including myself in that statement. But when we study about redemption, and we study about the person of redemption, we find that Jesus Christ had enough compassion and enough love that he even loved the unlovable. He even loved Judas, the betrayer. He loved those Roman soldiers who crucified him. He loved all so much hanging on the cross he said father forgive them for they know not what they do the person of redemption christ what about the people of redemption verse 7 paul says in him we have redemption who is he referring to Well, let's go back up to verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul is saying, myself and the believers at Ephesus is who I am talking about specifically. What do we know about Paul and these other believers? Want to know if I wanted to confirm stop streaming? No. I don't want to confirm stop streaming. What do we know about Paul and the believers at Ephesus? Well, Paul was not exactly a good man, was he? Didn't Paul go out looking for those that were of the way, those who were believers? Did he not go out looking for them so he could arrest them? carry them back to Rome to be judged and and maybe even sentenced to death or in in prison? Did did he not, according to Scripture, even stand by and hold the coats and take care of the coats while, while Deacon Stephen was being stoned to death? But Paul, before he became a believer, was not a good man. He thought he was. He was zealous for the faith, but the wrong faith. And he was doing everything in his power to get rid of the Christian faith. Well, the believers at Ephesus, if you read the, the, the rest of the book of Ephesians and study about Ephesus, they were not all good people either. But these are the people that Paul is referring to. Their past state and life were sinners. Paul said once, I, I am the chiefest of sinners. 
Nobody could sin better than I could. Now that's quite a boast to say I am the chiefest of sinners. So their state was that of sinners, but their present state in verse 1, they're saints. Paul, Paul said, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus. Now, the word saints, when it's used in Scripture, does not mean that we are some kind of great deity, that we have reached sainthood, and that people can pray through us for, for what they need. That, that's not the biblical picture of saints. A saint is simply someone who's been set aside, set apart, living for Christ. Paul said that's who we are. We, we are believers who were sinners, who are now saints. We, we were against Christ, now we are for Christ. We denied Christ, now we affirm Christ. He says in the present state, we are now saints. So the, the person of redemption is Christ. The people of redemption were sinners who became saints. What about the price of redemption in this same verse of Scripture? In him we have redemption how? Through his good works? Through his good name? Through his relationship? No, through his blood. It costs the shed blood of Christ for redemption to be offered to mankind. Your salvation could only come about through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You cannot do enough good works. You cannot give enough money. You cannot attend church enough. There's nothing that you could do to obtain redemption on your own. Redemption could only come through the shed blood. Now, now this shed blood was pre-shattered in the Old Testament through goats and lambs. All of the sacrifices that were made. Pre-shattered all the way back in the book of Genesis in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned against God and they tried to clothe themselves with leaves. And God came down to, to them and, and found them in their sin. And what did God do? He clothed them in animal skin. Which caused the, the blood of the innocent animal to be shed in order to clothe them from their nakedness and from their sin. So, so this matter of shed blood has been pre-shattered all through Scripture, beginning in the book of Genesis, all the way through. The price of redemption, the shed blood, was not only pre-shattered, but predetermined. God already knew the plan for the salvation of mankind. God didn't just one day wake up and say, Oh, I think I'll need to sacrifice my son for them. God didn't have an aha moment. You ever had an aha moment? Aha, that won't work. Aha, that will work. God, God doesn't have aha moments. God knew from the very foundation of the world that it was going to require the blood of his son for a sinful man, woman, boy, or girl to be saved. There was never any doubt about it. All of the Old Testament was a picture leading up to the actual completion in the New Testament of that sacrifice so that we could be saved. Well, what about the purpose of redemption? What is the purpose of being redeemed? Well, it makes me feel good. 
It does that. It promises me a home in heaven. It does that too. I, I know I've got someone I can pray to. It does that too. But the main purpose is for the forgiveness of our trespasses. Redemption primarily is about the forgiveness of every sin we have committed up to the point of salvation. How many sins do you think you committed before you got saved? You think two? Five? Greg, did you commit more than five sins before you got saved? Way more? Sarah, surely you didn't... You didn't commit very many, did you? Uh, Bella, I know Bella probably didn't commit hardly any before she got saved. No, no. We, weren't we all really good people before we got saved? <laughs> no, we weren't. Even if we get saved as a young child. When I got saved at the age of nine, I'd already learned what it was to lie and cheat. I'd already learned what it was to do things contrary to mom and dad. I I, I already knew how to be mean. Yes, I was once mean. Once upon a time, I was mean. I was really mean. If I had to, to number all the sins I committed up until the age of nine, I couldn't number them all. And some of you didn't get saved until you were adults, right? How many of you were adults when you got saved? Yeah. Wow. I I bet y'all really racked up on the sins before you got saved, didn't you? Wes, I bet you had a multitude of sins before you got saved. Uh, You'd need a calculator to figure up how many probably, wouldn't you? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. I mean, when we talk about the forgiveness of our sins, wow, we can't even begin to name nor number every sin we've ever committed. But redemption is about the forgiveness of that sin. Now, that forgiveness does not mean that we won't sin again, right? Any of y'all sinned this morning? That's all right. You don't, any arguments? No, 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 no. You don't have to confess. It, did you blow the horn to anybody? No. You, we, we better just stop it right there. We, we still sin, right? But forgiveness is still available. At the moment of salvation, we're forgiven for every sin leading up to the moment of salvation. Wiped away, done away with. If only we didn't sin again. But we do. We have. But the Bible says that God is what? Faithful and just to forgive us for every sin that we confess to him. Redemption is about forgiveness of our sins. And fearfully, what about the plenty of redemption? How much redemption is there? Verse 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to what? The riches of his grace. We hear a lot in our world about riches, right? They're saying that Taylor Swift will be a billionaire. They sing her. 
Elon Musk is a billionaire, is an inventor, is a is an owner. Millionaires that street corner except for in North Few Acres. But millionaires are everywhere. We, we look at the stock market and, and then we read the financial news and we find out about all of these people like Brookshire and, and all of their holdings and all of the millions and billions of dollars that they have. We talk about, man, how rich they are. Y- y'all probably got thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars laying around at your house, right? Just waiting for you to go back home and dig it up. Uh, well, I didn't say dig it up, did I? You, you, you've got a savings account full, running over, right? Yeah. No matter how much we may have and no matter how much they do have, all of it totaled together is nowhere near the riches that we find in verse 7, the riches of His grace. There is enough grace to forgive every sinner of every sin that has ever been committed and that will ever be committed. That's a lot of riches. Because we've already determined that we are sinners We've already determined we couldn't count up all of our sins before we got saved. We can't count up all of our sins since we got saved. And and we're a handful of people. The world, United States has what, 300 something million people in it, I think, currently? The world has, was it six and a half billion people, maybe? Don't don't nobody go and check my numbers on this. I could be real wrong, but I, I think I'm in the ballpark here. So you multiply just 300-something million Americans and all of their sins they've committed and what it would take to be able to forgive every sin ever committed and every sin that would ever be committed. It takes a lot, doesn't it? Well, Paul said it's by the riches of his grace that we have been forgiven and we can be forgiven. Redemption. For all the needs we have in our world, there's not a greater need than redemption. Terrorists who are redeemed, I don't believe, would be terrorists any longer. Rapists who are redeemed would not be rapists any longer. Murderers who are redeemed would not be murderers any longer. Through redemption, we change into that new creation of Christ. Through redemption, we could have honest politicians and an honest government. Redemption would handle the issue of racism if we lived out the teachings of Scripture. Redemption would see to it that we took care of the poor and the needy the way that we should. There's not a social ill that we have that redemption cannot be a cure for. But we look to the government for the cure. We look to universities for the cure. 
We look to those who are smarter than us for the cure. When the cure exists within Scripture. And it's through redemption. That this human sin nature that we have, you can't rehabilitate it. You can't just turn over a new leaf of in life and everything is up. You, you can't just make a New Year's resolution and, and you become this great, better than ever individual. I guarantee you, you make that New Year's resolution on January the 1st, you're going to break it before January the 7th. You may even break it before the end of January the 1st. They, they just don't work. But redemption, when we understand what it means to be redeemed, that, that we are bought back by means of faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It changes our outlook. It changes our mindset. It, it changes us. Now, there's still some of the old us in us, right? They used to have a little, a little bit of your old life still of attitudes, Actions, words, uh, yeah. Our old nature is not eradicated. It still hangs around on the fringes saying, hey, come here. Wouldn't this be fun? But, but it's wrong. But wouldn't it be fun? Come on. It's kind of like that picture of the individual that's got an angel on each, each shoulder. One is a good angel, one's a bad angel. And that bad angel sometimes whispers and says, just come on. You, you know you want to. I won't tell on you. Just come on. We, we have to be able to fight that. And we do so by remembering our redemption and the cost of it. Christ redeemed me through his blood. So therefore, I need to live pleasing to Two questions this morning. Number one is, do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been redeemed? If not, today would be a great day to be redeemed. Number two, are you living like you're redeemed? Or do you find yourself slipping up, messing up? Is there something that God has brought to your mind that you, you need to confess to him? The altar will be open for salvation or for confession, whichever is needed. Lord Jesus.